The first reading is from the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 to 15, and it can be found on page 1183 of the Bible. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthening the faith that you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to stand as Rosemary brings our gospel reading. Jane brings our gospel reading. (laughs) The reading's taken from Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 1042 of the Bible. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. 
the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? This is the Gospel of the Lord. So loving God, thank you for your word to us. May our hearts be open to your word and your word to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please do be seated. Uh, So, we're going to watch a video first. Uh, So hopefully you're seated comfortably um, and Daniel will play our video.
Luke's gospel um, of this rubbish friend um, reminds me of this sort of heart-rending scene from the Barcelona Olympics in 1992, especially as we're about to go into Olympic season again. But this, this uh, heart-rending scene where Derek Redmond, who was, uh, you know, fated to win a medal at the Olympics, uh, found his hopes shattered when a hamstring tore um, in that race and he couldn't he couldn't carry on running at the speed he needed to to get any kind of medal, uh, let alone finish the race. Um, because there are probably a few meanings that we can grasp from that scene. Um, and I think it sort of depends on who you think is the star of that scene. And it's the same in our story from Luke today, from Luke's Gospel. Often this story in the Gospel uh, has been matched with a similar story later on in Luke's Gospel, where a widow goes to a judge to demand justice in her case, and the judge isn't interested. Uh, But the story tells us, because she perseveres and she keeps going back to the judge's house and knocking on his door, uh, eventually the judge sees that she gets justice just to stop her from bothering him. And the focus uh, for us often becomes this idea that we are to persevere and to not give up. And that if we persevere then God will listen to us, uh, that then God will show up. And I suppose in some ways that's not a bad message for us in our Christian walk with God, uh, in our discipleship. In our relationship with God, uh, we should be willing to run the race uh, even, even when it hurts. You know, and sometimes... Uh, life does hurt and things happen to us and they challenge our perception of the world and they certainly challenge us to think whether God exists at all if things like this can happen. But actually, um, the thing that really bothers me in this story is less about Uh, the person who goes and asks for the bread that we heard in this story or the widow who goes and thumps on the door. Uh, But what bothers me is what is the kind of image of God uh, that you are getting, that we are getting when we read this story? When we read this story, what are we walking away with in terms of how we understand God? So instead of focusing on the story, on those who we feel we identify with, so the friend who goes to ask for bread, um, or the widow who goes to ask the judge for justice, uh, perhaps we can focus on uh, who is God in this story. And then it becomes a bit tricky, because who is God in this story? Is God the rubbish friend? The friend who ca- who's put all his family to bed, uh, so cannot be bothered to get up and give his other fr- his friends some bread because all his household have gone to sleep. So just go away and stop bothering me. Is God the unjust judge who cannot be bothered to seek justice for this widow um, and only does because she you know nags at him? Is that how we think of God? 
if we're thinking the story is telling us to persevere, do we go away thinking, because that is what God is like? Do we think we'd better persevere because we, you know, we better not give up because God's a bit of a plonker, to put it mildly? Is that what we're getting for the story? In the scene with uh, Derek Redmond, we could focus on his desire not to give up. And it is something quite uh, beautiful. And I think he deserved his standing ovation. But the focus becomes sweeter uh, when, it's, when we look at the father in that story, in that scene. His father comes out from the crowd um, and he tells him, in fact, that he can give up. That he can give up. That Derek does not have anything to prove. That Derek doesn't have to be an Olympic medal winner. That his father loves his son just because he loves him, even though his hopes have been dashed in his Olympic medal uh, aspirations. His father helps him to cross the finish line because that is important to Derek. Derek didn't have to beg or plead his father uh, to help him. And Derek wasn't doing it because it would make his father love him anymore. And his father just came, loved him, and helped him. In our story today, the key understanding to who God is, is in that, it's in verse 13 in that chapter, chapter 11. And it's where Jesus says, how much more, how much more will God give to us? It says, even than the best parents, and I know you are the best parents, you're the best parents for Teddy and for Ralphie, but it says, how much more? Think how much you love your children. How much more will God love us, love them? So how much more will God love than the best parents? And certainly, how much more than a rubbish friend. Even if a rubbish friend, it says, will get up to give you bread when you persist at knocking on the door, how much more will God give you the things that you need? God is good and loves us and so wants to pour out the richest of blessings on us. And in baptism, this is one of the places that we see this most clearly. You know, I've baptized people of all ages. Uh, I think the oldest was an 80-year-old. And I've baptized newborns and everything in between. And in all these cases, uh, the overwhelming joy is that this is something which is a gift of God's presence to us, regardless of who we are, anything we do, the kind of person that we think we are. In baptism, we experience the loving gaze of God, the sort of gaze that a mum gives her baby, 
That's the kind of way that God is gazing on us in baptism. The sort of love that makes a father uh, run to his son to reassure him that he's got nothing to prove. And our story finishes with the reassurance that God wants to give us the best gift of all. And that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is God's self coming to be with us. Baptism is a sign of this presence. And we pray for Teddy uh, that as he grows, he knows this presence more and more. So that he will respond to God's presence in time and be able to claim those promises that you have made for him today. So may we all know the joy of a God who loves us and who loves to give us good things, who liberates us from having to prove that we are worthy of that love. And may we experience the reassuring arm of God lifting us up when our heart and our legs are weak. And may we know God's presence with us. Amen.